0: Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside. Here on Manx Radio, I'm Simon
1: Clark And I'm Kiri Kermode. I popped to Santon to meet Manxman Ned Kenyuk to talk about farming in the years gone by.
0: And I went along to Ballack Cricket up Ronagway to speak to Neil Masson and his wife Vicky Sloan Masson who farm up there with their dairy herd and I find out the latest on what they're up to at this time of year. Firstly, we usually have a natter about the the weather, how it's affecting things around uh, the island, particularly, uh, I'd imagine, for the... uh the, the market gardeners getting ready for Christmas, Kiri, you know, picking sprouts with them freezing cold <laughs> icicles hanging off them because the bit of frost has been touching us at the moment and uh, always a tricky one with keeping water troughs unfrozen and things. So, Well, little things that are quite important, well, very important.
1: Very important. I did hear the other day that the, the puddles on the yard were frozen out in Dorby and they're right on the coast. Uh, so it's interesting to see the temperatures have really dipped down now. And like you say, the water troughs and water pipes, they are a divil to keep Uh, going if the the cattle aren't supping on the troughs continuously but that said Simon, everyone's enjoying the dry spell, uh, you're able to get out on the fields and and keep getting about, Uh, hopefully the snow will stay at bay but um, a busy time on the run up to Christmas uh, in full winter routine feeding now
0: It certainly is, well to find out the latest news from a couple of the very successful breeders and dairy farmers on the Isle of Man, I went along to Ballack Cricket and spoke to Neil Masson, his wife Vicky and got the latest news about what they're up to at the farm at this time of year.
2: Um, well, we're, we're headed into Christmas, so a lot of the stock are in. We've still got a, a few head of stock out. Um, so it's busy, really, of feeding and clearing up after them every day.
0: It's been a funny time weather-wise though with, the, with all the rain that we've had and the fields were pretty boggy and everywhere you're trying to get to. Now it's a bit more chilly and crispier. And I mean, do the cows find it difficult to adjust to the different weather conditions?
2: They actually prefer it cold. Uh, cow and milk um, run to higher temperature when she's producing milk, so they prefer the cold, really. Um, wet, if they're out all the time, standing in muck and rain on their backs, you know, they don't like that. Um, but this weather is ideal, really. We The ones that we've still got out are, in a way, healthier out when we had that wet and mild weather, because it. if you bring them in the sheds, um, it creates pneumonia within the cattle, so... Um, Sometimes they're better left out as long as they're fed well and they've got a dry, dryish field. Um, they're better off out.
0: So it, so it's, it can be a tricky thing um, deciding what you're going to do uh, depending on the weather. Sometimes then.
2: Yes, it is um, tricky to balance things out. Really, you don't want to overstock your sheds um, as well. So yeah, it is, it's difficult. Well, obviously the the milk cows are all in and the younger calves are all in. They they've got to be housed at this time of year.
0: Um, and what about the, the calving situation? I mean, I know that a, a lot of um, milk producers who, who uh, breed their own um, tend to try and... Uh, do, do you have them at a certain time of year when they're going to carve?
2: Yeah, we tend to have two kind of groups. Um, so we have an autumn group, which we've just got a couple of scragglers at the end, um, have a bit of a break over Christmas and New Year and then start again uh, end of January and have a group there that will carve up until the end of April, May time and then no more till September again then. Um, Just trying to lighten the workload really. It's nice to have a few months off, no cows carving. Um, They're all out at grass anyway, at that time of year in the summer. Um, Gives the sheds a break as well, obviously. Um, We can get all them cleaned out and disinfected and they're just left over the summer period, so um, any bugs or anything disappear, mm. ready in time for carving again. Um, milk profile too, um, obviously the creamery need kind of a, a level milk profile throughout the year, so um
0: Do, do they yeah. sort of say to you, we'll need so many liters and all that, and you've got a plan around that?
2: Um, no, they don't really dictate on how many liters they should have, but it, it makes their job easier when the profile is level. Um so, you get, so they know how much milk's coming in each month. Um so that's why most farmers will have some autumn carvers to try and keep their milk up through the winter months. Mm. Obviously it's cheaper to produce milk in the springtime, um because cows are out of grass and that's your cheapest form of uh production. But um we also need milk. Everyone needs milk in the winter time, don't they, as well, so we need to supply Customers with milk throughout the winter months as well.
0: Yeah, we need our hot chocolate, of course. We yeah. do, yeah. <laughs> uh, but how, how many? Uh, how many are you milking now? It's it's mainly a Holstein um, uh, flock that you've got, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Holstein um, pedigree Holstein herd with uh, a few Aishas which are under the children's name. Um, yeah, for the type of farm we've got, Holsteins really suit us. We don't have a mega amount of land round the yard. Um, so, the higher producing animal, um, but they also we're breeding them so that they are fit to graze, so they are capable of walking out to graze every day as well. Um, so, these girls will be doing over 4,000 litres from forage, um, um, averaging about 8,500 litres through the, their lactation. So, um, we can keep a small amount of cows um, and get a little bit more milk from them so so we're milking about 85 yeah
0: and what about uh, was it was it the kids choice for the for the ashes or they just wanted to do something different when they got yeah. to that age i think they just we
2: were at um, a national calf show in england and the ashes are quite pretty marked they're red and white obviously uh, they've got different unusual markings on them and um, both of them said, oh, we're really cool. We At the time, we didn't have very many red red and whites, and obviously Asia's a red and white, so you're guaranteed a, a red and white one. So they've got their own little little herd, which are quite successful, really. They're off a really good line from the UK um, family, the clover family. So, uh, yeah, it's just something different. Keep the interest in, in it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: but, but, I mean, you, you must be pretty proud because you, you and Neil have been... Really, um, quite proud of, of breeding your own successful uh, herd of, of the Holsteins, haven't you?
2: Yeah, and it's something that you've. Um, it keeps it. It's another interest, isn't it? Um, I I really strive to breed cows that are really healthy, that they're going to um, do what you ask them to do, but also be really healthy within themselves um, and all the breed traits that you pick within the Holstein breed allows you to do that. You know, if you want a a really tall Holstein cow that's gonna do 12,000 liters of lactation, you can breed one. If you want a more smaller, more robust Holstein, um, that's not gonna do that many, much more liters, but um, can really look after herself and go out to graze, you can do it. And the Holstein breed has been going for years and years, and they've got so much um, data behind them, so you can get that when you're breeding a cow, yeah.
0: And Neil, turning to you, uh, the, the the side of it where they're in and they've got to be fed uh, during the winter time, obviously because there's the less grass. I mean, how does your system
3: work with, with cake and things and silage? Have it. Um, we're on it's partial TMR really, which is total mixed ration. They get silage and grain in the feeder wagon, and uh, with the minerals and there's a supplement in there for with a yeast. And that's mixed up and goes into a trough, which they all have ad lib, and the everything everybody gets the same in there. And then we've got uh, the tower on the yard here, which just gives them metered amounts of cake, which is also mineralized and has got high energy. Uh, and that that's sort of an electronic uh,
0: system, isn't it? They've yeah, got
3: tags on them? that works by a transponder tag, which they have in their ear and um, every cow's individually rationed and it you know the stalls are set up that they can't nick each other's food they can't go in and pinch it we do have because they're clever aren't they yeah 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 you probably everyone's probably seen the youtube videos of cows working the trot working the yokes and things to unlock themselves and go along so yeah they, they can work things out and the, the impala feeders if they know if they give them a, a rattle in a certain way it'll drop a little bit more so it's only a few grains but yeah they they do do give them a little nudge now and again don't they <laughs> but it but it is quite a balance then because
0: if the if the amounts are wrong somewhere along the line it it affects the milk yields
3: yes and uh, quality and um, everything's monitored at the moment the urea in the milk is uh, is monitored every every week uh, sometimes twice a week and um, yeah everything's just sort of streamlined as possible really um it sounds yes yeah, so it's streamlined Um it sounds like we feed like with three different um feed stations that we're feeding quite a lot but everything is fed to yield so it's anything that's not above a certain level doesn't get any in the other two feeders so they're just getting the silage and the grain and the trough and that's maintenance plus 20 litres and um, anything above that gets fed a little bit more just to tickle them along and it's it's all sort of a, like I say, streamlined as possible. It's
0: a funny thing because it's so much uh, science and to try and get the most out of what you've got in this day and age and when I was young... You threw a bale of hay in the rack above
3: them and give them a few nuts, and that was it. Yeah, absolutely. They've uh, they've got two separate nutritionalists working on the cow's diet. Really? Yes. And um, it's all cross-referenced and computer-controlled, and you know everything's put into into the system, and it's as efficient as we could possibly be, really. And you're still not a millionaire. This time next year, Rodney. <laughs>
0: Neil Masson and Vicky Sloan-Masson telling me uh, all about the what's happening on the farm at this particular time of year and the trials and tribulations and the intricate um, means that farmers have to go by now with uh, computers to, to monitor the feeding and trying to balance that. Amount of food, you know, to which cows are producing the most milk and which aren't, you know, it's a it is, like technical.
1: you say, so technical yeah. and so intricate. And farming has come a long, long way. We'll hear from Ned in a moment about when he used to do the milking and, and how different it was there. And he talks of Vicky's dad, Kenny Sloan, and all, just the difference and the modernization of it, the investment in tractors, machinery, and all the things that have revolutionized it. And there, Vicky and Neil taking it to the extreme with their wonderful prize winning herd. Um, Attention to detail is absolutely key there and it's it's so successful, but it does cost an awful lot and they're willing to invest.
0: You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, we heard from Vicky and Neil earlier in the programme, modern farmers with all the modern uh, technologies that they need, really, because obviously it's all labour-saving and it wasn't quite that uh, in Ned Kenyuk's days Kiri.
1: Absolutely not, uh, Ned talks of many stories of years gone by and how much he enjoyed farming growing up here on the Isle of Man. I popped down to Port Grenick there one evening to catch up with Ned to just have a, a reminisce of the years gone by. Well here we are down at Port Grenwick with Ned Kenyuk, uh, a commissioner, a farmer and a man of the countryside and it's cold out there now Ned.
4: Aye, but it's winter time, isn't it? If we're going to have winter, let's have it in the wintertime and let's have summer in the summertime <laughs> when you want to make hay. Stanley yeah. Gillen said to me one day, there's no point in, don't be afraid to cut hay when it's raining because that's not when you want the drying. You, you want the drying <laughs> when you're rookin."
1: Well, that's a fair point, isn't yes. it?
4: So you little things like that you learn mm-hmm. and, and every year is different. But the cowl weather, it's... It comes in winter time, and you accept, But we don't get winters as cold as we used to. We no. don't get nearly as much east wind now. I can remember, uh, y- y- we didn't have modern-day apparel. Them days, the best we had was an army overcoat, out of nuisance. Oh
1: my! <laughs> word. And that said, everyone's layered up to the max now, with all That's the right. puffer and the feathers and all sorts. But them overcoats would stand three days rain. Well, I know they
4: would stand. But it took three days from the dry out again. <laughs>
1: And that said, Ned, is the snow on its way?
4: I wouldn't be afraid to I wouldn't I, I don't particularly like snow. As soon as it snows, first thing I think about is the sheep that stuck up on the mountain. The mate has gone poor, there's not much bite in the grass, and they've got to survive up there till Easter. And I do feel sorry for the sheep up on the mountain. In the same way, that when I'm driving down through Sulby or in, in, in uh, Mackled, in Bologara, and you, and you stop and look at the fields that go up from the road, and they're nearly going straight up, and you're thinking to yourself, there were some poor horses, had to cart dung up to the top of them, and plough them and ridge them, and and they had no, they had no other way of doing it.
1: Isn't that hard to believe? The horsepower was the horses, yeah. you know, and the farmers then, they got stuck in and they did some hard days graft. That's right. And
4: we got through the work. I can remember one year, I, I went to work at Bolly when I was just not much more than 14. I abandoned school. I didn't leave school. <laughs> I abandoned it. I had no interest at all in school. Neither. And I went to work there and I'm not going to say which year it was, but there was one year we were finished the harvest. The last days of August, the corn cut and all put in, in the last days of August.
1: Now, the Uh, weather these days, I don't think you'd get it all done by then. And and this is with modern machinery that can go twice as hard as maybe you were. (laughs) Exactly. But
4: we were doing our share of the work. Like, uh, They'd be growing about 20 acres of oats. It was all oats, uh, two acres of spuds and about 12, 14 acres of turnips, all thinned on your hands and knees. No, and and whitewashing the roof of the cows inside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the pride taken, though, with the farms, Ned. It was unbelievable. Right. The whitewash was everywhere.
4: Oh, I could, oh yes, it, it was part of your obligation, mm. and cutting the thistles and, and, and painting the gates and trimming the hedges and building the hedges up in the lay fields when you were ploughing them. Mm. Take the fence down and build the hedge up in the lay field.
1: Now, that said there, Ned, this new sort of agri-environmental scheme is sort of... You know, focusing on bits and pieces like this, but they were things that you were doing in your farm and practice day in day out.
4: It was the the mantra; it's what everybody did, and if you didn't do it, you were criticised.
1: Mm. <laughs> a, a sense of pride, I
4: suppose. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> we were at much once, and somebody wasn't doing a very good job, and the, the other fellow that he was talking to, he said, "Well, don't be surprised." He said, "Have you seen the state of his ridges? <gasps> oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's what
2: it was all
4: about yeah, mm. they, they were taking notes you know there was fellas going round on a Sunday morning on the bike just to look at other fellas ploughing
1: well, on the road
4: Yeah, jo- and and that made you take a pride um,
1: and do you look now when you see the big tractors around the farms
4: I do, I do but but it's a different scenario now I remember, I'm struggling to think who was the tenant now in Kirby it might have been Willie Quayle. I don't know but don't matter. He a three foot of plough. And one of the furrows wasn't doing the job it should have done because every third furrow was showing green coming down over the hill, right to the road. Okay. And I thought, what a mess. And then this fellow come in with this worn pass cultivator and you wouldn't have known. Mm. You wouldn't have known. He just chewed it all up <laughs> and and saw the oats in it and you wouldn't have known. But that wouldn't have happened in our day. No. That, that wouldn't have happened in our day.
1: I, and that said, uh, Ned, staff in your time, was it readily available? You know, with Absolutely. the neighbours all getting involved? How was it? Absolutely. Even
4: the fellows off the dole.
1: <laughs> I, I sh- don't think you'll find a few of them there now. <laughs> well, well, there's still
4: plenty of them, but they don't want the work. They want the money, but they don't want the work. Mm. But the fellas were going round, there was a gang going round in the wintertime on the dole, cash in hand, not declaring it. <laughs> <laughs> but they were going round the country thrashing mm. and, and following the mill. And better than that, everywhere they were going, they were getting a feed.
1: Yeah. You know, and that was part of it. The hospitality was something I always enjoyed as a little one going about. Uh, on the clipping with my dad, oh. we used to go to various farms and uh, sandwiches and everyone would stop and have a hot cup of tea. And, and it, was a, it was a done thing.
4: It was a social event. It was a social event, going to the mill. Oh, aye. um, We're just looking at a picture on Facebook now of the mill thrashing at Stanley Quirks up at cool Slough And there's a little bit of debate as to who was there. Now, there's one or two commenting on it. And they shouldn't be because they weren't there and they didn't know. Now <laughs> I, I was there.
2: Oh,
1: never! <laughs> I was. So we'll have the exact answers now, then. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we always, well, nearly always thrashing the week between Christmas and New Year. Nearly always thrashing Maybe that that good. week, and.
1: Uh, and that'd be cold enough then,
4: though. Yes, but but we were f- getting finished. You know, the the daylight is short that time of the year. And we're getting to the bottom of a stack and, and starting to tidy up and look around and here's Freddie Quirk up the ladder, stripping the thatch off another stack <laughs> and the moon coming up over the mountain. Oh. Lou was <laughs> <laughs> right in underneath the mountain and, and they don't see the sun till dinner time. I see. And the moon is the same. You know, they, they've got a different calendar up there. <laughs> but it was it was a social event and, and nobody complained about the work. It was... Uh, it You know, it made good memories. And they were... Freddie Quirk was... You wouldn't know Freddie Quirk, Stanley's father. He was a perfect gentleman, a big man. He'd be six foot plus and a moustache, stood upright. And everybody respected Freddie Quirk. Stanley said, sometimes they didn't have a bull, and sometimes they'd be taking the cow to the bull, and the bull was over in Canelli, the other side of the gill. And Stanley said... It was taking us all day.
1: No way.
4: <laughs> well, you know what it would be. Everybody they'd be meeting on the road. They were stopping.
1: Well, you wouldn't get a bull to go that far now, for all the cars that are on the road. That's right.
4: No, it's the cow they were taking to the bull. <laughs> it's the cow they were taking to the bull. But and when they were getting there, they were having dinner, and then and then set off to go. Freddie Quirk come to Ballygarick in one year. I was ducking turnips in the field back of the house, and Freddie came up the field to me. And he says, do thou know where the binder pole is? I said, yes. He says, I bought the pole of Morris, Morris Lairs, that was. So I took him down and showed him. So we went in and we unhitched it off the wall and he put it on his shoulder with the three horse Swingle tree in it and the breast pole in the front and he put it on his shoulder and set off to walk from Bolligarkin over to Greber Bridge and then up to Coolslew with, yeah. that, with that pole on his shoulder. And I said to him afterwards, did you manage to get home with it? Ah, he says, I did. He says, I stopped for some refreshments on the way. (laughs) He said, I went in the Hawthorne and I had two or three bottles of Worthington. (laughs) (laughs) He said, it's the best laxative I'm getting. (laughs) (laughs) Things that were important. You know, it it may sound nonsense to some people, but that's what was important to them people. That's what was important.
1: And that said, life was very different to what it is now, Ned. Absolutely,
4: absolutely. And the attitude towards... Up here, I've wrote a book. In my head. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a device. And I think it's... You'll probably know more about this than me. That will take what I'm saying and put it down in print. Um, I'm not going to start to write it out in longhand because I'm uneducated and I can't spell... (laughs)
1: <laughs> now that's a good excuse, you mean?
4: <laughs> but the, major, the the theme that runs through it all is the farmer's commitment to the livestock. When he goes away from home, his abiding mantra is to get back to the animals. He's dependent on the animals, and the animals are dependent on him. Yeah. And it's a it's a relationship. That you cannot buy, you cannot learn. You you you've either got it or you haven't got it. Mm. I remember John saying once when, when Graham, Watterson won the supreme award at the show, and the first thing he done when he said he kissed the beast, and John said it may seem like nonsense, but it showed, his commitment to the animals. Yes. And you've got yeah. to have that. Yeah. You've got to have that. You know, you've got to go out at night, and and give them a bit of supper before you go to bed, mm. and and in the morn, people make nonsense of it like we always. Done the feeding for breakfast in the morning. Mm -hmm. Now that was that done two things. That was worthwhile. First of all, you you fulfilled your obligation to the animal, but it also (laughs) give you an appetite for your own (laughs) breakfast when you come in.
1: There we are. That was a wonderful chat with Manxman Ned Kenyek down at Port Greenwich.
4: Yeah,
0: and uh, just so passionate about explaining. uh, yeah, his love of the farm and the animals that he still has, isn't it? It's never gone.
1: It's never gone. Like he said there, it never, never goes. You're responsible for them and, and they're responsible for you for a living as he was growing up on the on the family farm there out in St John's. And it's just wonderful, the stories and the names and how the community was back then and, and how it's changed somewhat since, um, but always remaining positive there was Ned.
0: Yeah, it's the way that the... They close their eyes and sort of look to the sky and and the smile comes on their face when they remember telling you about it, isn't it? It's so heartwarming.
1: It, it really, really was, Simon, and an absolute pleasure to listen to him and hopefully we will have a little bit more as we go on. But like he says, he wants to write a book and uh, the memories he has in his, well, 80-odd years maybe, may we say it, mm-hmm. um, a, a delight uh, to, to, to be privileged with an insight in, in the years gone by it was a lovely chat
0: great stuff well that's it for this week's Countryside don't forget if you missed a part of it or want to hear uh, bits of it in full you can go to Manx Radio's website and download the podcast well you don't need to download it click on it it'll play it Uh, if you've got time to listen to it again and we'll be back next week with the last in the current series so until then from me Simon Clark and me Kerry Kerman we'll see you then bye bye
1: bye bye